Welcome to the Nobody Told Me That podcast. My name is Teresa Duncan, and my goal is to share information that you probably weren't thinking about. I love preparing my friends for situations that may come completely out of the blue. I also want to share with you many of the tidbits I've picked up over the years. If you absolutely have to tune out before the end of the show, make sure you check out the show notes for more details and information on today's topic. And thank you so much for making me a part of your day. And we are back. We have some guests. You will hear this. Um, I have a podcast guest here. Believe it or not, I have got two people from another podcast coming on here. I'm excited to share the podcast. I'm excited to share the knowledge because it's not my usual flavor. So I have from Voices from the Bench podcast, I have Elvis and I have Barb. And I know that you have official big long names with acronyms, or at least Barb does anyway. Barb does, yeah. <laughs> Barb does. So I'll have uh, I'll have them introduce themselves, but this should be really fun. I'm just really interested in the behind the scenes of how the lab works and all of that. So um, Elvis, tell us a little bit about yourself and your lab, and then Barb will do the same, and then we'll jump into the nitty gritty. Sure, I'm the one that has no letters after my name. Uh, <laughs> barely, barely even the word sir. No, I'm just kidding. So I'm with uh, Derby Dental Laboratories, which is the a lab out of Louisville, Kentucky. But I actually live about two hours north. So I'm up in Indianapolis. And my role with the lab is I'm not on the bench. I'm hardly in the lab, actually. What I do is I create positive relationships between the clinicians that use us and the lab. So I spend a lot of time visiting, uh, not only trying to get new offices to try us, but just to be available for help, for chairside help. Um, if there's a big case, I just want an extra pair of eyes on to help communicate back to the lab what needs to happen. Um, that's my role, and I absolutely love it. Uh, before then, I spent about two years selling implant components for a company called Preet, P-R-E-A-T. Uh, lots of parts and pieces and analogs and abutments, uh, locators, overdentures. So that was my specialty for about two years. Traveled the country. Um, selling to dentists and labs. And then before then, uh, a local lab here in Indianapolis, I uh, was the director of operations for about 15 years. Oh, okay. So, yeah, for there, I, yeah. I did everything but work on the bench. I mean, I dabbled on the bench, but I was in charge of production and just, you know, making the communication between the lab and the office. So that's that's pretty much my short journey. Doing pretty much everything. Well, I yeah. mean, he, it sounds like he kept the bench going. So that's good. Yes. Like there's yeah. always oh, yeah. that one person in the background that if they don't do their job, everything kind of grinds to a halt after yeah. a day or two. So, so Barb, yep. what about you? So my story is a little bit um, less interesting. I've actually been at the same company uh, my whole career. Uh, which uh, my dad founded. It was Knight Dental Group in Tampa, Florida. Uh, it's now called Lexer. Um, I am a trained uh, manager, operations manager, VP, president, all of that at one point throughout my career. Uh, and right now I am uh, running the high ceramic laboratory inside of uh, the Lexer groups of laboratories. So I deal with assistants and doctors and case 
planning, we do diagnostics, we do temporary, I do custom shades, I also go to the operatory and see cases, I did that uh, last Friday, full upper, full lower, and then on my downtime, I actually work on cases, so I'm trained ceramics, I do layering, contouring, glazing, but I do communicate a whole lot with my clients, everybody's got my cell, I communicate pretty much from the day I time I wake up in the morning till the time I go to bed you know I've got docs texting me at nine at o'clock at night and you know it's just really important to always be available for your clients because you don't know what's happening in their world so um, I do do a lot of communicating but I really enjoy what I've done and I'm, I've been doing it for about 30 plus years so so we have some like and that's deep- about it well, that's it's a lot actually. <laughs> uh, so, so we have some some really like uh, long and deep industry knowledge here. I mean, we've all been in this field for it sounds like twenty thirty years easily, and yep. we've seen some changes. We've seen things. We've seen machines enter offices that used to not be in offices, used to be mm-hmm. in your offices, or were even just being created on some assembly line somewhere. When you partner with a doctor who has all these new bells and whistles. Do you see a trend of like send you a lot in the beginning and then it kind of tapers off or once they buy one of these scan machines, you know, and you're helping them with all of that, then does that just kind of taper off or does it go full speed ahead? Do you see a real good uptake in that? When it comes to intraoral scanners, there's really, I think of it two ways to look at it. You can buy just the intraoral scanner and that way it has to go to a lab or people can get into the whole system like the Seric system where they're Mm -hmm. making crowns in the office. I would say when most people get scans, I don't think it trends up or down. Do you agree, Barb? It's pretty much, I mean, they're just going from traditional scans to digital scans. I I don't think we get any more or less. I think it's twofold. If they're new docs and they get a scan and call you and they say, I'm getting this scanner, can you help me? (laughs) I need you to look at my scans. I need you to give you feedback. If you can help them be successful right out the gate where a lot of the training and these companies really don't train all that much time on these scanners and you get this awful scan and sometimes the doctor will just give up and you're like, you know what, I just paid 30 grand for this, but I'm not going to use it and go back to his impression material. But um, no, I agree with Elvis. I really don't see it go up or down, but I do think you know, it's better based on, again, the relationship and the training and how you can provide them assistance to make it successful to them or for them. I've heard time and time again where someone would buy a scanner and it's thirty to $60,000, depending on which one you get. And all they got was a two-hour Zoom call for training. Oh, yeah. Yep. And that's just not enough. And they really do rely on the lab. And Barb made an extra excellent point that if they asked the lab for help and were able to help, You'll get that work. Absolutely. So when you call the lab, though, does someone come out to my office or is there like a, a group training, something like that? Um, I, I got to be honest with you guys. This is like a knowledge um, bit for me because I don't know if I ever thought to call the lab to help me with the scan. I just assumed the rep would be providing all of that training. It just now, of course, I'm like, duh, it makes total sense to have you guys yeah. help me with that. For our company, we actually have field sales group and we invested probably two three-day training seminars with all of our salespeople. So oh, every wow. one of our salesperson is a certified trainer. And yes, they can either call the sales or they can call the lab. And we immediately hook them up, get them scheduled and get in there and help them and get them trained. So yeah, 
once we saw that that was a need because the the companies were not training, I really believe that most labs in the country have taken on that role of being that trainer. Interesting. I'm really, I'm seriously like, I can't believe this never occurred to me. I'm like already so happy you guys are here. <laughs> well, you also got to remember that as a lab, we're seeing these scans. You know, you might scan, I don't know, five patients a day. We're seeing 500 scans a day. You know, okay. we're seeing that many more. We're seeing the good and the bad. Uh, but we got to also yeah. remember that there's different labs with different ability to train. There's a lot of labs out there that are one or two or three people. They might not have that ability to train. Barb's lab, what are you, over 100 people in the lab? Yeah, yeah. And you're part yeah. of a group, so that's even Big bigger. Lab. So the resources mm-hmm. are there. So if an office is using a local lab and say, hey, I'm getting a scanner, their first question should be, does that lab accept that scan? I would say probably nowadays where 90% of labs are going to accept scans, if not more. Uh, but are they able to help you depending on the lab? If right. they have someone that can come out. Like that is like one of my jobs for the lab down in Louisville in Indiana. If somebody gets a scanner, I just pop in and help them scan. How do you know if they get a scanner? They tell you or do you keep in touch with salespeople or? Uh, it usually comes from the office. Okay. Usually a lot of it I've known is they'll get Itero to do Invisalign and... um, because you have to have Itero to do Invisalign. Right. Yeah. And I run into this all the time where they don't even bother to do Crown and Bridge with it. Like it's, they think it's just not an Invisalign machine. It's amazing. And I'm like, like, no, you got this. And they're like, well, I have an implant patient coming up. I'm like, well, let me get you a scan body. I'll be there for it. And we'll walk through the process. And it just blows their mind that they can actually restore rather than just do Invisalign with these things. What a value add. Holy cow. Uh, For that, I mean, that basically that they just discovered. It's like tripping on a pot of gold, honestly, because there's all your, your profitability is now you kind of unlocked a channel for it. You get a better uh, restoration, you get a quicker turnaround time, and uh, you don't have to use impression material. So it's like, And the patient likes it usually. So when, when, oh, when, when, sure. when. Yeah. Well, the patients like it except for the noise. I When can they get rid of the noise? Is that every one of them has that, that clicker noise? Some do a song, and the song is, I would think, more annoying. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, like, I've never seen the song. That's awful. You can turn them. You can turn them off, but they're actually helpful while you're scanning. Because if it stops, then you know images are not stitching together, and you got to like kind of slow down or start over. But yeah, they got to make it more gentle though, because it sounds like somebody's like yeah woodpeckers in my head. Yeah, the clicker's not. Yeah, (laughs) it's terrible. Um, (laughs) So what's funny to me, not funny, but really interesting to me, and I have yet to go to one of these. I've always. Um, not been able to, but I want to. There's Lab Day. You guys have, it's such a big thing. You have Lab Day East, you have Lab Day West. um, And I think you do it also in conjunction with the Chicago Midwinter. For the lab industry, is that a must-go-to meeting? Uh, Like in terms of enthusiasm? Yeah. I mean, everybody (laughs) else and I know in terms of, you know, training, enthusiasm, equipment, new products. Every single company launches their new products at Lab Day. So it is a must go if you're really involved in your business and you want to take some courses and you want to buy some equipment and you get to see everybody and network with everybody. And it's just, it's irreplaceable. Wouldn't you agree, Elvis? Absolutely. I was just going to mention, you know, with CE credit is not as important live anymore. 
you know, sure. with the internet and I'm sure it hurt every industry that needs CE. So, you know, it used to be you go to Chicago lab day, get all your CE for the year, but that's not as necessary anymore. But definitely our industry is, I, I would hope known for our ability to get along, I guess, you know, mm-hmm. most labs uh, were friendly rather than competitive. Well, we're friendly yeah. competitive. We'll say that. Well, yeah, yeah I, think, I think you have to be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there, and, but there's a lot of consolidation. Does that bother you guys? Like, who's the next one to get no, eaten up? And, no. and I think on the on our side, like if you go to a dental society meeting, you're going to find out. Oh my gosh, who just sold? Who didn't sell? Yeah, you know, we got to worry about these yeah. guys. So it's not like that for you guys. It happens. It's mm-hmm. just not a concern. I mean, I know a lot of individual labs. I got bought out. Individual labs are still good labs, and they still employ it, good people. And they, they just still now, have the same people. Yeah, yeah and it's now under an umbrella. They save money on supplies and marketing and, um, you know, okay. behind the scenes. And that's great. And it would happen. Exactly. Yep. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So at Lab Day, you mentioned CE, and I think this is going to surprise some people. You guys do yep. have a designation. Yep. Can you tell us what's the designation about and, like, how hard do you have to work to maintain it? What happens if you're a fallen CDT? Like, what happens? I'll let Barb explain the actual uh, (laughs) CDT. I always like to let people know that, Barb, three states that require a CDT in the lab. Yeah. Yeah. 47 other states, anybody can open a lab. Anybody can make restorations. There is no official licensing or anything. And that's kind of scary if you think about it. A low barrier to entry, but it's also a low barrier for quality if there's no control there. Right. We're very self-regulated. If a lab's not doing something right, you're going to know right away. Okay. To me, for those that get the CDT that are not in one of those three states, I think it means even more because they're doing it voluntarily. No... It's not like, you know, if you're a barber, you have to get go through, get the certificate to cut hair. You're choosing to do it to prove to everybody that you want to meet the quality that our industry has set. Okay. So Barb, Barb, what's this all about? Yeah, yeah. she's a CDT. You have to take two exams. So one of them is general knowledge, and then one of them towards, if you want to be a ceramic, it'll be geared towards ceramic, crown and bridge, removable implant. So you have each specialty exam. And so before you go into it, you choose what specialty you want to do. And they offer a lot of uh, new study materials, and there's been a lot of updates on the test and updated questions. Uh, once you pass your exam, then you do what's called a hands-on, and the, they send you um, an impression. You make a model. You have to dye trim it. You have to pour it, articulate it. And then uh, you do a, a single central um, layered, well, that's what I did, and then you have to wax a single central, and then you've got to do a three-unit bridge, oh. posterior porcelain butt, and they grade things like marginal integrity, occlusal anatomy, finish of the glaze, what type of occlusion, if they ask for centric, did you, were you able to identify that it's centric occlusion, and then on the anterior, um, you know, does your porcelain blend you know blend like the shade guy does it have a natural a1 or does it look like you know it's all incisal so basically they just grade you on every single category and you submit all of that and they grade it um and then one becomes certified and when i did it you know just the general knowledge portion of it if i hadn't studied for that i probably would not have learned as much background on what i was doing as 
if I did not study for it. So it's very gratifying for me. I really, I'm proud of it. I'm on the national board right now of uh, CDT, uh, National Board of Certification Board right now. So, you know, I'm very involved still, and so is Elvis. And yeah, it's just it's being certified is something to be proud of, in my opinion. Absolutely. It sounds, I mean, us work, and there's time period involved there too. Like, you really have to dedicate your time to study. It's, oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, it sounds like, what is it, like two years, probably a year? Or how long yeah, did it take? Yeah, I you? believe it's up to two years. It took okay. about two years, depending on how fast you could probably do the fast lane and get it done in the year. It took me a while to, you know, I, there was a lot for me to learn. And I remember my dad telling me, you, I need you to become certified. You will become certified. <laughs> I said, okay. So, uh, you know, that was businesses. a no-fail thought process. Yeah, so I wanted Excellent. to do really well and not just pass. But, yeah, it was it was really good. My son's doing it now, so. How much CE credit do you need, Barb, every year? Uh, 13 credits. So you need one OSHA and then 12 regular scientific and or there's two different types. But you yeah. get them pretty much. You know, there's so many avenues to get your credits. It's never an issue. Yeah. Well, and like yeah. you said, so much is virtual now. But oh, I'm so sure. sorry you have to do OSHA. That was always my most like, oh, is it? <laughs> it's OSHA day. Oh, oh who scheduled oh, yeah. this? Oh, I scheduled this. I'm sorry, guys. Like, you know, because <laughs> it's usually me. I just did it last Thursday. <laughs> oh, God. That's what yep. you see at Lab Day. People running around to get their. OSHA credit, yep. you know, oh, yeah. it's like, I gotta get, I gotta meet this OSHA. Well, pass. and especially, I mean, you guys work with chemicals and all that too, but like, you know, for front office, we're not back there with, you know, the, all of the sprays and all that kind of stuff. So it's really brutal for us. And they start talking about sterilization, which is like, oh, yeah, geez, yeah. you know, so, um, yeah, lot, lots of stuff there. Well, I was, I was thinking while you said that, Barb, it made me think that your dad is like trying to guarantee his workforce there. Like that's what he was doing, <laughs> just making sure he could keep, stay staffed. Have you guys been hit oh, yeah. by the same where the heck did everybody go syndrome that we're yeah. having? What's what's going yeah. on in your industry? How are you guys dealing with that? Very, mm. very not much. I'm actually oh, no. doing a panel on it. In uh, Lab Day, uh, there's a place called Cal Lab, and I'm doing a panel on recruiting, training, and, and hiring. And so we're actually talking to our lab industry to see what can they give us that we can learn how are you finding them where are you finding them how yeah. are you training them so no i i know that we hired a recruiter and oh, i wow. have yet to talk to her but yeah it's been super tough you cannot wow. find anybody trained in fact we have picked up some hygienists to be honest with you oh that okay. i wanted to switch gears yeah, yeah let's, let's put a pin in that for a second because that's something i i had said to elvis is i really want to see about career path but Elvis, do you have any thoughts on where did everybody go? Yeah. So for years, there were more dental lab programs in schools, a lot of technical schools. And now, I don't know the exact number, but we're down to like seven. Across the country. And most, yeah. Wow. And most of them only graduate a handful. Like we talk to people on our podcast all the time that go through it, you know, in the last five years. And they say, my graduating class is four or eight. We talked yeah. to some lady that's going through uh, LSU, and there's two in the class. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Um, it's not that path is almost done. I mean, there's some great schools out there, and I highly encourage anyone to check them out. But at the same time, it's fallen upon labs to self-train. Oh, yeah. We do our best to bring people off the street and then train them. But at the same time, we're training them. We're also, we're also doing production, and that's hard. Yeah. That is yeah. really hard. And the lab that I used to run, 
Um, I was part of that process. I'll admit, I was terrible at it. You yeah. hire someone and then you just be like, sit next to this person and learn. Mm-hmm. And you're hoping that other person's going to teach them well enough. Clue. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And a lot of it is just nobody knows about us. Yeah, that's very true. In fact, when I mentioned, uh, I was talking to somebody at Voices of Dentistry and I said, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to have the, the, the lad dudes on, you know, sorry, Barb, I didn't mean, you know, but that's what I said. So, <laughs> no um, <worries. laughs> and, and, and they were like, oh yeah, yeah. I've been meaning to look into what they do. I'm like, what they do. Like, <laughs> wow. So, it happens all the time. Yeah, but, but it's I saw, true. Yeah. I, yeah, I saw extended family this weekend, and they thought I was a, I was in in a dental office <laughs> all these years. I was like, no, no, there's a whole there's a whole aspect to this that nobody really knows about. Uh, they probably figure you need to be near a patient's mouth in order to be in dentistry. Like that's what it, yeah. it's proximity. Yeah. Pretty much, yeah, pretty much. So there's actually been a move on our organization, which is the NADL, the National Association of Dental Labs. They did a little marketing piece a couple months ago. That's pretty good. That just went out there and just kind of showed we're here. Okay. This is what it is, you know. Um, I think there's been a push in some areas to like hit high schools. Yeah. Honestly, it's a great career and you don't honestly need the school. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. don't don't put yourself in a lot of debt. But what you need to do is you need to come in with the ability to want to learn. Mm-hmm. That's the hardest thing to find with anybody these days. Somebody off the street yeah. that wants to get obsessed with teeth as much as we are. <laughs> that's what drives and you. And want the career, you know? not just the job. Yeah. Absolutely. Fine. Yeah. Well, I mean, we could you could hire someone to pour models all day long, and that's great. We need those people. But at the same time, if you really apply yourself, I mean, you can do some fascinating, wonderful restorations that are high dollar and get paid decent amount. You just got to get there. So the creativity piece. So I I would not look at being creative. Like I would be more drawn to the operations side, right? So mm-hmm. I'm sure some office managers are feeling the same way, but there's a lot of office managers that are super creative and crafty and good with their hands and artistic. So here I am sitting at the front. It doesn't even occur to me that I could be the one creating what it is that I'm just taking from the front to the back to deliver in a box. Like it doesn't even occur yep. to me to do that. So to your point, Barb, you were saying, you know, you're talking to some of my genists who are interested. What what do they do? Do they just knock on your door and say, hey, will you train me? I mean, where where would they go to get this? Go into this field, I guess. Yeah. I mean, found them on Indeed. You know, you just go to a different site or, you know, they found us because we've marketed, you know, from all these different sites. And, you know, they come in and they get interviewed and it's just like that. They're like, well, you know. I open up the boxes and I see these crowns and I, and I know they're going in the mouth and I just really am interested and want to learn about it. And so, you know, we've brought them in and, and taught them how to contour and taught them how to glaze. And we've uh. had two or three just pick it right up, you know, and stay with us and many different, not necessarily where I'm at, but we've got at least three working for us right now and they love it. I just think that, you know. They, they have the bug where, okay, I think I might want to do a little more than, you know, work for a doctor, and, you know, clean teeth or meet patients. Maybe they don't want to deal with patients. You know, some some um, hygienists are just don't really have a, or don't really want to, you know, mm-hmm. deal with a, a grumpy patient or a happy patient. They just want to go back and be creative. And so I just think it just depends on personality. Yeah, I think there was a big... Um awakening for myself when I needed, when I was really getting super annoyed with patients all the time. That's when I knew yeah. 
something different yeah. has to happen here because you know i was getting more annoyed with them than wanting to help them i would you know it goes in waves yeah. i think just with career when you're in a career you know for a long time i'm i'm really surprised though as far as the training goes that one of the big i guess ceramics manufacturers or you know any of the the scanners even like the companies with the scanners none of the manufacturers are putting out any kind of lab training protocol or programs or anything like that well, they are. They do? Okay. The two biggest design softwares that's in our industry is 3Shape and ExoCAD. And both of them have great resources that, you know, we can pass on okay. to employees. People can self-teach themselves. I mean, YouTube, there's everything you want to know oh, is on yeah. YouTube, sure. obviously. Yeah. And a lot, I mean, heck, I even learn a lot off of YouTube, but none of it's like geared towards, I know nothing about teeth to get to that next level. It's always like, how to use this porcelain. Well, what is porcelain? No one's teaching that. <laughs> yeah. It's super basic, you know? And that's what it's, it's kind of hard to start that step up from knowing nothing to at least knowing something. Right. And that's right. why a lot of us like assistants or hygienists. They at least know what a tooth number is. <laughs> I mean, that's, yeah. that's, you know, <laughs> you won't believe how hard that is to get to someone that has no background whatsoever. Oh, sure. And to not say the back of the tooth, you know what I mean? I mean, yeah. <laughs> no, I... You have to, <laughs> just the lingo alone. Yeah. We used to have every semester, a local dental assisting school would tour the lab. We probably almost every time got at least one person that, oh, this is kind of neat, you know? Or the teacher would pull me aside and say, hey, ex, ex student, I don't think it's cut out for this chair side stuff. Can they come in and shadow for an extra day nice, or something? Nice. And we got, I would say, you know, over the years, a handful of people that try it out, or I think we hired a few, or maybe they went to a lab somewhere else, but it gave them exposure. So touring the facility, I've been able to tour a couple labs in my time, and I'm always just like, whoa, look at that, look at that. So how often do labs open the doors and do that? Or is that something that's weird? Like if I'm wanting to switch, can I just call and say, hey, Elvis, can you like let me see the behind the scenes? Like what, how does that work? It's going to depend on the lab. Okay. If yeah. a lab won't let you in, I'd be weary. Oh, okay. Honestly, yeah. okay. a lot of labs, I mean, and this goes back to that unregulation, but a lot of labs are somebody in their home mm. working out of their house, yeah. working in their garage, their basement. I get that. They don't want you in your house. I get that. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with those labs. Mm -hmm. They do beautiful work sometimes. But if it's a decent sized lab and they say no, I'd be a little worried because I don't know if they're holding, they're, you know, they're hiding something or a lot of labs don't disclose that things go overseas. I was just going to say they probably have a big shipping area just to ship yeah. their, their stuff over. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, if it's just, if it's disclosed, it is what it is. That's fine. But those, but those that don't disclose is where I usually have an issue. But like at Derby, I mean, I'm not there, but we give tours all the time. Damn. You know, okay. people just want to stop by and just see it. We try to find time to walk them around and. We have CE credit. We have a huge room where we have doctors come in and we provide education. So depending on your level of lab will be, you know, if they offer that kind of additional bonus. Yeah. Some of the best CE I've, yeah. had, I've actually been a part of, I've actually enjoyed it because the people get to tour the labs have been, you mm -hmm. know, where yeah. I go to a, a lab like that. So now I got to keep you in line because you're pretty close. Indianapolis and Kentucky is pretty close to Virginia. So that's, <laughs> that'd yeah. be a good place to hide in yeah. Florida too. Like I don't, I don't ever yeah. mind Florida. Um, 
Yeah. But it's really cool because at lunchtime they would do tours of the lab and, and you could just see the excitement. Of, oh, I never did. I never knew that. But one thing that I noticed when I was walking around doing tours is that people aren't, they're in jeans, they're comfortable, they're having fun, they're they're not in contorted positions, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like when yeah. you are at the office, you're not constantly like just, you know, on hold all the time on the phone. So is it, is it as casual and as relaxed as what I've seen or is there more formal settings of labs out there? Oh, I think there are definitely more formal settings of labs out there. Okay. Um, yeah. You know, there's there's labs that wear you know scrubs. There's labs that wear lab coats. Um, yeah. You know, we've got in our higher end department, we've got lab coats, we've got dress codes. Um, okay. So I do think it's it's pretty much all over the place. But yeah, it is definitely a more casual environment because you know we're artists and right. artists just you know kind of vibe to music and drink coffee and just get into you know, what they're doing and super highly focused. And so yeah. I just think it depends again on the lab, like Elvis said. A lot of people don't realize that dental labs are dirty. What? I mean, <laughs> All right, I mean, you got to qualify just, that. What do you mean? <laughs> by by nature, dusty. there's there's dust. Oh, there's gotcha. There's dust yeah. everywhere. Okay. <laughs> when you grind on dentures yeah. and you have four or five people grinding on dentures, no matter how much suction you use, that stuff is getting everywhere. Mm. Yeah. Um, and I've run into people that, you know, they hear I work at a dental lab and then they're surprised that it's not one of those movie sterile scenes with beakers <laughs> everywhere and everything's super polished and everything. Yeah. No, we're working in here. Yeah. And, you know, we, the labs I've been with tend to been a little bit more relaxed. And I think that provides a more friendly atmosphere for people to work in. Cause I've heard of labs out there that can definitely be more strict <laughs> on the working conditions. And you got to remember, we're stressed because it's always how many turnaround days can you get this done? What if something happens in the middle? Patients in the chair, patients get married. Yeah, uh, I need you to rush for this reason. Or uh, implant component didn't come in and you can't get it there on time. I mean, it's a very uh, high pressure job for for some of us, you know, because you're you know you're always meeting the deadline, so you're always always on you're always rushing a lot of stress fair amount of stress i must mm -hmm. say uh, but mm -hmm. you know just like you guys are dealing with the patient and it's stressful when they come in we're on the other end you know trying to make sure that they get it on time there's a lot sure. of pressure on that if especially if something goes wrong <laughs> which, well you know, yeah and it's always happened with those patients you know just like with you guys it's always that patient uh, yeah we know uh, i like i always have like two or three faces <laughs> that come to mind that no matter what, if I prep ahead of time, the the best that I can for this patient, I've got, I've cleared the road. Everything's happy. Bread makers on back yep. in the day when we did that, you know, <laughs> coilet is sparkling clean should she need to use it. I mean, there's just always that one. So when I was, uh, I, I was, I remember working with one doctor and he said to me that he rushes every lab case because that's just what he does. Um, and he just, you know, that's, yeah. the, that's the price of it. And I thought, what pain in the butt you must be for your lab. I was just about to say, are we allowed to cuss? Yeah, what right. Are... Oh, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so I thought, okay, well, that's kind of a little, you know, controlling. So how? So tell me how we can make it easier on you to be our lab. Because, you know, I know every everybody listening, you know, we want to make the office the best. And that's got to include having a good relationship with our lab. So 
how do we make it better for you? How do we make it easier? What are we doing that you, you just need to tell us to stop doing? Well, the first thing is, is stop assuming. Okay. A lot of offices will send in work and, for instance, a partial, and they'll assume we do a class a certain way. Not every, not everybody does. Okay. That just happened just the other day where they just assumed we would do a certain class and it was different and they were unhappy. Well, sorry, uh, you know, just don't assume. So, and, and, and write out what you want. Don't be afraid to tell us what you want. For me, it's always been, we get a lack of age and gender of patients. You know, they think a name, but age and gender come into a huge play, especially of doing anything that's going to be cosmetic or anything that's going to be seen. A lot of people don't think we would take that into account, but we do. Can you explain why? Because I, I have an idea, but I just, I don't know. I think I'm solid on that. Can you explain it? Yeah. So it, it gives us information on, you know, how much wear the tooth should have, what shape the tooth should have. It helps with the coloring a little bit because, you know, we make all these teeth, I don't know, 80% of the time we have no face to go with it, no lip position to go with it. And that additional information just kind of helps us plan that tooth a little bit better or plan that occlusion a little bit better just because we have an idea that it's, you know, a, a, an 80-year-old tooth doesn't look the same as a 35. Interesting. Okay. I, I don't think I ever considered that. that. So even a full picture would help you out as well? A full facial picture? Always. Yeah. Okay. Always. You'll never hear a lab say, you can't give me enough information. What about you, Barb? Something I have to scratch my head at even now is that if you're looking at the computer and you're scanning a case and you see red on that computer and you still hit send, I just <laughs> scratch my head at that. I mean, before, maybe, maybe you wouldn't know if, you know, you had a good margin or if you had enough room, but now it's literally showing you. <laughs> and it just makes me crazy when they still hit send and I have to call them back, either do a reduction coping or reduce the undercuts or, or something. I would just say either identify, you know, what that red is and, and possibly you need more training or, you know, make sure that the, the scan and all of the information is on the RX. I know those digital RXs are tough, but I agree. Um, a lot of times we're missing a shade. Uh, we're missing, you know, the the product or, you know, I, I'd say missing information is probably our number one issue. Maybe they're colorblind. That's the first thing that I thought is maybe yeah. they're colorblind, but that's probably not it. Um, <laughs> have you ever dismissed a, a doctor, like just said, no, we can't, we just can't help you? Yes. Yeah. Sorry. Oh my goodness. Yeah, His there dog go. growled just on cue. <laughs> he must know. <laughs> So like what what would be so bad that they would just like you're you're just like you got to go. I don't think a lot of people realize that dental lab margins of profit are not huge. And if you end up remaking something, it's pretty much gone. And, and if you have a doctor that you're remaking a lot, I mean, there's no doubt that everyone's going to have remakes. I mean, that's just the way the nature of everything. Mm -hmm. um, but if it's a consistent problem, and you're trying to help and they're unwilling to accept your help. Interesting. You got to move on. Okay. Because you're just not yeah. making money. That's probably the number one reason we would stop working with an office. And I've also learned over the years that sometimes, no matter how hard a lab tries, they they can't gel well with an office. Oh, okay. Either the yeah. remakes or Fair the them. dates 
or just the communication, it just doesn't work. And there's times where you just got to say, it's fine. There's a lot of labs out there. I wish you the best luck, but it's just not working. And I don't know why, and I'm trying, but- But you guys have yeah. to talk, don't you? Like we know in our area who the, the shady doctors are. Even who the labs um, are, we wouldn't oh, want yeah. to. Do you guys, you guys we talk, know. don't you? Yeah. Oh yeah. Super local, super local labs, we don't talk. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's that's a little too close to home, I think. <laughs> um, but I know we know. You know what I mean? <laughs> There's like a, a dartboard, you know, with their, their face on it. Like you block the caller ID. <laughs> and there's the offices out there that will run up a bill on one lab, leave, run up a bill on another lab, yep. leave, run up a bill on another yeah. lab. You're kidding me. I never heard four, of that. That's awful. Four or five months later, yep. they're back after they paid down their bill. Oh, my and, God. And you just see this cycle. And I bet you if you checked with all the local labs, we would all figure the pattern oh yeah. my gosh well and i figure if i go in there i'm gonna see some crazy billing pattern as well like that's just yeah gonna yeah. follow that and, and yeah. that's something that you know i keep hearing the pressure on you guys because i'm talking to doctors who are wanting to you know reduce their ppo dependence but yet they don't want to go out of ppos and so they feel like they have to cut costs where they can and i even hear it in lectures it just drives me crazy Call your lab and tell them that you're going to walk if they don't give you this, this, and this. So this has yeah. got to be a sore subject for you because I hear it enough that it's annoying to me. So it's got to be annoying to you guys. What are you doing in that environment? Well, something I heard a while ago was out of all the expenses a dental office has, the lab is the one that they can control and won't affect what the patient sees. Does that make sense? Yeah. So you're not going to look. You're you're not going to pay less to your cleaning company. You're not going to pay less for your hygienist or your assistant because that's right in front of you. You're not going to pay less for, I don't know, other things in the office, mm -hmm. you know, cheaper light bulbs or whatever, or whatever you can do to lower your expenses. The lab is this kind of thing that's off to the side that if you can get it down 20%, it's not directly in front of the patients. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and that was that hurt. Of course, that hurt me when I when I heard that. And we're there's a thing going around our industry called the race to the bottom. Yes, yes. Where you go into an office and you say, "Hey, I have a hundred dollar crown." Or, "Oh, my guy is doing it for ninety five. Well, I'll do it for ninety two, and then he'll switch, and then someone else will come in and say eighty nine, and it just keeps going down. How do you fight it? You just find those offices that really want to work with you. Okay. You know that value what you do outside of just that restoration. And that's what I believe a lab can really excel at. There's not a lab you're going to run into that's not going to make a decent crown. I mean, let's be honest. If they couldn't do it, they wouldn't be in business. But what else do you need from them? Do you need custom shades? Now you're looking at local labs. Yeah. Do you need a lab that will answer a text at nine o'clock at night? Well, then you need bars. Mm -hmm. That's me. Do you, need, yep. <laughs> do you need someone that's going to come in when two crowns wouldn't fit and talk to that patient and explain to them what's going on and try to figure it out. You know, that's where I come into play. Finding a value within your lab really should dictate price rather than the restoration. Interesting. So that make any sense? And no, it makes total <laughs> sense. And and Barb, I know you're you're in Florida, which is very, very PPO heavy, even though you're national. I know that that's, that's where you are. Yeah. Is that something you're hearing from your very PPO driven clients down there? I just know how tight they are down there. Yeah, very much so. Uh, you know, we do work with a lot of the larger DSOs also, though, and those contracts, you know, you sign those contracts at, at that level and they can't do that. You're basically at, 
that price and that's where you're contracted. But a lot of our non-group clients have got, have sold, just like you were saying earlier, um, where, you know, I used to get $300 a unit and now they're with one of the larger DSOs and they're getting it at 192. So in a lot of it, we really cannot control, you know, like I said, in our business, we go after the non-groups and I agree with Elvis. It's all about relationships. If you can go in there and help that doctor and talk to that patient and seat that case and take the custom shades and be there in the emergencies and do all of those things that help everybody in the practice as well as the laboratory, those are the relationships that, you know, you need to savor. There's going to be somebody that's going to cost cut that can take those those clients away. And you know what? That client's going to feel it. I really believe that if you go the cheaper route, they're probably outsourcing and, you know, it's, you're thinking it's going to save you chair time and now your chair time's going up, things sure. don't fit. Um, you know, you're grinding the heck out of the occlusion. So sure. where's your time really being saved because you're at $500 an hour, you paid $30 for a crown and now you've got to see them again. It's another hour in the chair, mm-hmm. you know, so I don't really buy that whole thing where, you know, every, yeah, I, I think a lot of these crowns that are cheaper are are made elsewhere and they are not good crowns and you know the doctor's gonna end up seeing it on his time so i think it'll all come around i really do I'm, I'm waiting for that to happen i think it will because i mean let's look at it from the dentist's point of view on one other area like the so when you go out of a ppo you're thinking these patients i may lose some but the ones that really like me i have a relationship with they're going to come back they're going to stay with me they're going to be okay with you know paying a little bit more out of pocket but yet those same doctors who are depending on that relationship are coming to them are are quite willing to squeeze it on this this side of the deal and i just think that right. that's a very strange you know and it's rationalized in their heads you know it makes sense to them it doesn't make sense to me but it makes sense to them um I had a really good conversation with one of the smarter office managers that I know, and and we were talking about, you know, where do we get this extra profitability? You can't squeeze blood from a stone. Employees want more benefits or they want raises or whatever. So where do we find that? And, you know, she was talking about lab costs are doing a lot more uh, lab work and they want to they want to go into the custom shading and all of that. And she was really taking a good hard look at their credit card expenses because, you know, there's this trend now where the patients were charging the patients for use of the credit cards. And a lot of offices are like, ooh, no, that's so tacky. But the offices that I talk to that have made that switch, I mean, just, just for your information, I mean, sometimes it's thirty, forty, seventy, hundred thousand dollars a year in credit card fees that they're saving that can now be redistributed to keeping and retaining employees to, you know, not being so scroogey with the the lab bill. So, you know, if anybody's listening and wondering, well, I, you know, I feel like I Great have to point. go to a cheap lab, maybe, maybe there is there are areas to look at. You just really, you have to be willing to sit down and think instead of saying, oh, I don't, you know, we can't touch that. Maybe, maybe you can. We just need to look at it differently. And another good aspect is selling large cases, large treatment plans. Mm-hmm. Over the years, I've, I've been able to be part of transitioning that someone into either going to dentalist and instead of getting into a denture, stepping it up to an overdenture mm-hmm. or stepping it up to a fixed hybrid. Mm-hmm. And a lot of offices I run into are not confident enough to sell that steps up. Working with a good lab that can help train your staff to provide the information needed to sell that bigger treatment plan mm-hmm. could bring in all sorts of money. Absolutely. If you're, if you're doing a lot of dentures and you're not doing over dentures, you're not doing it right. right. 
Absolutely. And a good a good lab can help you take it to that next level by showing you what they've learned over the years about why patients are going to overdentures, give you the cost for a lab, and even be their chair side to help you do those first few so you can get good at it mm-hmm. and have confidence that someone's there that can, you know, help and fix or whatever goes goes on. Right. But I mean, just selling larger treatment plans rather than just single unit crowns all day long can really help your bottom line. Well, can I buy it a can. box of, of crowns from you? Like, can I buy a block of 20 crowns from you? Do you guys do things like that? Like, how creative do you get with your your sales? Like, for samples? No, no, no. I'm or, talking about, like, I'm going to send you 20 crowns. Can I just buy 20 crowns from you and get them for one price? Like, I, I'm just picturing some of my clients. They would they would say things like that to you guys. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you'd be like, eh, I I've never know. heard that, but I bet our sales people. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm curious because yeah. I'm just thinking like, you know, you go to Costco and you think, oh, if I buy in bulk, so I only buy a whole bunch of them. And oh, you know, like you're going to guarantee point. us a certain amount yeah. for a price. Yeah, yeah. A lot of labs will do that. Okay, absolutely. Yeah. I wouldn't imagine yeah. twenty would be a price point though. Like it had to be a little bit more. I would think. No, but I don't know. you know, most labs, if you go, you know, you get it. We have a price list, mm-hmm. but if it's five offices in a couple towns, talk to your lab. Say, hey, if all five send work, can we get this price? Most labs will work with it. Okay. You know, okay. Um, just depending. But I would say most would say, okay, you, you're going to do X amount. I can offer you this price. You know, don't be afraid to ask. I mean, I'm sure some labs will say no, but, yeah, but you never You never know. Yeah, yeah, you never know. Yeah. Can I circle back to... Um, the lab industry as another career, a post-admin or post-inoperatory career. What what are the earning capabilities? What is it like? I know small businesses, some of the small dentists, they're not offering benefits. They're not, I mean, they make you work through lunch, all that kind of stuff. I mean, what's the earning capability? What does that look like for different positions? Yeah, well, we hire in at like 17 to $18 an hour. Now we used to be well below that, but we brought our entryway up a little bit. You no, know, everything, everybody gets benefits. Everybody gets a week vacation and three personal days, they, you know, on the very first year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can make up to where you, know, you could, you, you know, you could be making 45 up to 60 uh, in ceramic. You know, I know folks that are making over a hundred, well over a hundred in removable. My God, labs are probably paying 60 to 70 to get removable text in because there aren't any. Wow. Um, so yeah. Yeah. What do you think, Delvin? Just recently, the NADL posted the average wage. I really don't remember what it is, but I want to say it was in the low fifty thousand dollars a year on the average. But totally. I mean, this is an industry that you you come in low. If you really learn it or, and just fall in yeah. love with it, you can make some decent money. Okay. I mean, there's a lot of. A lot of lab owners out there that are obviously pretty well off, and you don't yeah, have to be an right. owner either. There's money to be made. Okay, you just have you got to you got to give the time and the energy. It's not going to be a walk in, and you're going to make seventy thousand dollars a year, right? But you definitely can. Well, I, I know a lot of very bright assistants, probably making fifteen, seventeen an hour, and and for smaller offices, they just can't afford to go much higher. And some of these girls are just so super smart and are fast, so. I could see them really yeah. thriving in an environment like yours, um, you know. So, and doctors, if you're listening, I'm not trying to tell everybody to leave you guys. <laughs> you know, that's that's the sound yeah. of my podcast getting unsubscribed, but that's not where I'm going yeah, yeah. with that. 
you know, these these people, if they're getting burnt out in dentistry, I just don't want them to yeah. leave dentistry. That's, you know, it's a great yep. industry. Just don't leave dentistry. There's other places to go. We would love to have them. Mm. Yeah, some labs can't afford that much. You know, your smaller lab, I, I, I don't know what people are at, but different labs offer different amounts and then different growth opportunities. Right. You know, I'm sure Barb's with 100 employees, there's a ton of growth opportunity. If you're working at a lab that only has, you know, four or five technicians, you know, probably not a lot of growth opportunity. Well, I know a lot of people kind of miss the miss the small offices. I'll be honest with you. A lot of the managers my age, we we miss the small office where everybody knew each other and really got along well. well. And, you know, when you get acquired, it changes. That dynamic changes. And it's for some people. Sure. It's, it's not for some others. There's definitely a corporate side to the bigger you are. Like, I don't think I could work at Barb's place to do corporate for me, you know? <laughs> Yeah. Mine's family owned. Yeah. It's still a decent sized lab, but you know, one family owns it. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, I like that. So I um I knew we were gonna go to it an hour. We you know, we always were like, Oh, so do we go to an hour? And I knew we were gonna get close to it because this is very fascinating. So just real quick, I let's go back to what can we do best to work with you. Do you just picture the best client that you have and what do they do that makes them so easy to work with? Like, how can we be that best client for you all? Return dates is <laughs> okay. the sorest subject. Every lab's going to have a published return, how much time it takes to make something. Scheduling the patient after that, it's all you need to do. <laughs> <laughs> so after that, now, not, not before, not the day before and just pray. Not or the day of. Okay. <laughs> you know, things, things happen. Sometimes we miss the date, but Generally, just understanding that if a lab needs six days to make something, plus the day to pick it up, plus the day to deliver it, and then put the patient after that, usually things will go a lot smoother. Not putting a date, um, they think that we'll just do it in regular time, is not true, because we get so busy. If something doesn't have a date, we'll tend to be we like, bumped well, we, it. Can, we bumped yeah. it a little bit to do the ones that do have a date, so yeah. don't leave it blank. Okay. Don't write ASAP. <laughs> that means absolutely nothing to us. That means normal turnaround time, True. but bumpable. <laughs> put a date. And if you're not sure, call okay. or put a date expecting a call. That would be super huge. <laughs> so that's good to know. I mean, just, you know, pick up the phone and, and even just a text you, to you guys. I mean, that's that's the relationship piece, right? It's like. Absolutely. You know, and, and so if the case is not needed because the patient cancels, do you guys appreciate a heads up to make it bumpable or not really? You don't care. If we get more time, it's probably. <laughs> okay. Barb, <laughs> yeah. Barb wants a heads up. For me, I, I would just keep it on track. Okay. You know, if we're not already rushing it, it's, it's in a process. You know, most labs have software that tell us what needs to be done on each case on each day. <laughs> Very trackable. So, I mean, any interruption in that usually tends to make things a little harder. Uh -oh. Okay. And I've got something to add just for, for those of uh, your listeners out there, just kind of a little thing that we talk about internally is a lot of us are on the phone and sometimes the office manager and or whoever we're dealing with is just not kind, just oh. kind of edgy, pissy, you know, not very nice. And what we always say in our industry, and you guys may disagree with me, but it's something for your for your listeners to think about, is normally that's how the doctor is. Oh, wow. So if you're working with, you know, a dentist out there that's miserable, you know, possibly you're miserable. <laughs> and so it's coming across from him, it's coming across from the staff, and basically that's the energy of the office. 
Oh. And so on our, you know, our end, we always say, you know, I, you know, I bet, you know, probably, you know, the doctor. So you might want to take that out. I don't know, but you know, it's, it's <laughs> something we, something we talk about, you know, it's, there's something to think about is the happiness of the person on the other phone and the work environment and all of those things go together. So oh, that's I just interesting. like them to be nice and communicative and work with me because I'm going to do my best to, to get it done for you. Barb, maybe you should send some sage back with that case so that they can do like an exorcism <laughs> in the you office. You know, I do work with sage. <laughs> oh, it's, it's an internal thing that we talk about and have for years that, you know, most of the time yeah. whoever's on the phone is, is, you know, directly related to how the how the office is running. So it's a, it's a something I wanted to say. So. No, it's, it's a good point. And also, if we call needing information, your data is changing if they don't call us back pretty soon. Well, that's a lot of people don't realize that's that. just common sense, yeah. right? Like that doesn't make that. Oh, really? <laughs> wow. And to you me, know, it's common sense. Like if I don't get back to you, then nothing gets done. I'm calling to find out if we can trim the opposing or something. Very and more. it takes three days for them to call me back. Now it's the re- the return date's three days later, but they still they never changed that patient. Oh wow! You know, getting whoever needs to call us back in a timely fashion. Texting has helped a lot with that, okay. but just getting them to get back to us, we're just trying to get it done. That's all, you know? Do you guys get gatekept, I guess? Is that the term? I mean, do you guys get the oh, doctor's yeah. number or do you get the manager's number? Depends. Everyone. I mean, <laughs> okay. I, I mean, everyone. It depends. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like you almost have to demand it. I work with a lot of offices that I don't know the doctor's number. Okay. I might get a front staff text. Yeah. And that's usually pretty good, but most of them, I just have an office number and I'm calling push one if you're a new patient. Oh, push two, and I'm like, I'm neither. I'm the lab guy. Right. You know? Like, <laughs> hey, you got to answer my questions. Come on now. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, so this is this is fantastic. I'm I'm really excited about uh, you know the takeaways on here. I just know from talking to managers over the last couple of months. I mean, they are they're burning out. You know, so I think lab is a great way is a great, you know, opportunity for them. But yeah, if we can get you cases, you know, in a nice way, <laughs> Barb, in a nice manner and uh, get them legible. I mean, that's, that is the one thing I used to uh, speak a lot in the implant world. And that was the one thing that the labs would just like, they would just over and over, tell me, tell your audiences to be legible, right? Legibly, right? Legibly. And, and I think now it's, it's obviously different. I mean, you've got the digital lab slips and. And that's not, yeah, that hasn't been a problem. Just remember that labs want the exact same thing you do. We want to deliver it before the appointment and we want you to seat it with no adjustment. We're all it, trying to do the same thing. Right. They tend to think that like we're doing it on purpose. I can't tell you how many times people have called and said, do you have somebody new working on my crowns? They're not seeing. No, we don't. We don't. We don't have that revolving door. You know. <laughs> That's interesting. I wouldn't have thought to be accusatory like that. You know. Mm-hmm. Happens all the time. Do you have somebody new working on our stuff? No. Yeah. Well, and chances are, in our office, we're the ones with the new person. Honestly, so our yeah. our door has been. We it is so hard to find good people. And yeah, you know, yeah. I, I don't understand it. Doctors will put somebody fresh off the street in charge of their million dollar prop, you know, business. It just, it's mind boggling to me. I just, 
and I still see it. You would think with the business knowledge that's out there, you, it would start to go away, but you still see it. Yeah. But yeah. you guys probably see it too. You probably see it coming a mile away, the bad management of oh, an yeah. office. I wish doctors were open to that kind of uh, feedback. You know, hey, that girl, feedback. she was at another office and it was terrible there and now you got her. <laughs> you know, so. <laughs> okay, so any last thoughts before we, we wrap this up? This is so fun. Well, we have to no. self-promote yes, the podcast. Yes, please, please. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me, I'm like choking up I know, all you're making me choke so up. emotional. I'm over here coughing too. This is something, and we're not even in the same room, so. No. So it's called Voices from the Bench. Barb and I have been doing it for almost five years now. We have a new episode every Monday morning, and we just talk to people that are related to our industry. A lot of people in labs, but also a lot of people out and around labs, and some clinicians every now and again. And our audiences yep. laugh, but we just cover everything. So we like to have a fun, casual conversation. We joke around a lot, but we're just providing whatever is available in our industry to anybody who wants to listen. I always thought if a lab was working or if an office was working with labs, it'd be a great way to learn more about us. Mm -hmm. Vice versa. The whole reason I started this podcast was because I used to listen to dentist lab because I wanted to understand them more. Sure. So sure. Yeah. Voices from the bench every Monday morning. And Derby Dental is yours. Night Dental is Barb. And yep. they are yep. very easily found uh, on the internets. So you'll be able yeah. to, to find them. And uh, definitely check out the podcast. It, it really is fun to hear something that is not insurance related every now and then. But they come back to mind, <laughs> yeah. obviously. But but yeah, no, there's, there's definitely, especially with the scanning and the, the new materials that are out there, I feel like I can't keep up. I mean, you guys really, the technology is so immense, but you guys have to keep up with it's, And it's not its yeah. not cheap what you have to keep up with. <laughs> no, but we talk True. to people that are, are making those 3D printers and the resins and, and the new zirconias and all that stuff. That oh, you're yeah. going to see in the office eventually. Yeah, and man. You'll be able to learn more about it. And, you know, it's maybe you don't need to know it, but it's probably good that you do. Right. Some fascinating stuff. You know, Barb and I, we learn every week just talking to these people. Well, I know from listening to um, industry podcasts, like it really gives me a flavor of what companies I want to work with and I want to learn more mm -hmm. from. And then there are companies I hear them on podcasts and I go, there's no way I'm going anywhere near them because, <laughs> you know, they, yep. they just, you can hear the vibe, you can hear their philosophy and you're uh, like, I don't even want to spend time on the show floor. So it's actually a nice time saver. You know, for me, yeah. that I don't have to to worry about doing a demo or anything like that. It's already they're out of the equation. So, um, but I suspect you're going to get some interest from this podcast. I hope so. So, dear listeners, I really hope that you investigate the podcast, investigate their two labs, Elvis and Barb. I want to thank you for coming on to this very administrative podcast with me. I, I very much appreciate it. And dear listeners, I want to thank you so much for taking the time with me. You know, I always always appreciate it. And on to the next episode then. We're all super busy, so thank you for making time for me today. The show notes will have any links that we referenced in this episode. You can also find links for my book and for my live events and webinar schedule. I speak often around the country on management and insurance issues. Come hang out with me in one of my classes. I promise you'll laugh and learn. <laughs>